See, it's normal for a guy to go up and go directly to the guy's division. That's the blueprint or whatnot. But I was able to see it from the outside and see how the women's division operates. And there's a different dynamic. There's so much, like, love. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Out of Character with me, Ryan Satin. This week's guest is someone I'm very excited to talk about because when I was in Las Vegas for SummerSlam, uh, I went to the after party, and one of my bosses from Fox here, Jacob Ullman, he said, I just met this guy. He has the most fascinating story. You have to get him on the podcast and talk to him all about it. And I was like, oh, okay, cool. Like, unexpected. I, was, I didn't expect my main boss to say that, but I was like, well, let me look into it. I did some research, and he was totally right, so I'm very excited to have this conversation today. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Out of Character, the 24-7 champion, Reggie, formerly known as Reginald. How's it going, man? I'm pretty good. How are you, man? I am doing fantastic. Thank you so much for taking the time to do this today. Each week, I start off asking the same question, and I'm kind of interested in this one for you because you're still fairly new to television, so I want to know, how much of your real true self is there in the character on TV right now that you play? Uh, actually, pretty much 100% of that character is, 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 is me. Uh, it's, it's quite funny because I didn't have much direction when I first was introduced uh, to SmackDown. I was just the sommelier and whatnot. And uh, they didn't tell me how to act or what to do. It was just do these certain things with Carmella and whatnot. But come to find out, I actually spoke French. I went to school in Montreal. I traveled around France. And I love fashion. I love suits. And so I just put all of the, all those things into that character, and it worked so well. I love, I'm jealous of your fashion sense, to be completely honest with you, because I, man, I wish that I could pull off wearing shorts with a suit because it looks so much more comfortable. The other day for SummerSlam, I did a shoot with Eva Marie and it was the first time I ever wore just a t-shirt with a suit. And I was like, everyone's gonna think I'm a lazy jerk here, just wearing a t-shirt. And then I got all these, all these like text messages from, my, from like family and friends, like you looked so good out there. And, and I thought to myself, I'm wearing a t-shirt. I'm wearing a t-shirt, what's going on here? So uh, yeah, I, I, I like that you're able to do that. And yeah, it makes sense that it's fully you right now because you really, you know, did kind of just get thrown out there into the deep end just, and not only that, but what I love most about it is that you took a small opportunity and owned it, you know, that you, did you maximize the opportunity you were given? Now you have a full-time role on TV because of it and a title, which I think that not a lot of people are able to do as quickly as you as you did. Oh man, I am totally blessed for sure. And that's been my motto my entire life. You know, coming from legit nothing. I mean, it's it's how can I fail when I started with nothing? That's my thing. So any opportunity that's presented to me, I have to take it. I have to I can't complain. I can't be upset because I'm not doing what m people may think I should be doing. I'm just happy to be here, man. And coming from where I come from, it, it means a lot. It means a lot. Well, I want to talk about that. You know, obviously I did research before doing this interview, but for anyone who doesn't know about your story, where does your story begin? Whew. So I have a very, very long, inter uh, interesting, exciting story. Well, we've got and 45 minutes, in so, so don't, don't hold <laughs> off at all. Let's, let's hear it all. You want the juicy details? 
Yeah, of course. Okay, sweet. So <laughs> my story starts off in St. Louis, Missouri. Um, I'm one of eight. Uh, it's four girls, four guys. And my mother died when I was three years old, and I never knew my dad. Oh, so, so my sorry. grandmother, it's life. It's, yeah. it's life for sure. And my grandmother, she raised all three of us. I mean, all, all eight of us. She took all of us in after raising, I believe, six or seven kids of her own. And she took all of her daughter's kids in. And I don't, I always brush off that part, but that's a huge part that doesn't get enough credit because we could have easily been separated, going into the foster system and things like that. So she is an incredible woman. And I don't know how she did it to uh, take care of eight kids, uh, put food on the table, clothes on our backs, and work around the clock so that we had a place to stay, but most importantly, each other. So that's, she is- That's so I nice that she did that. God, that's great. Yeah, incredible. And so I come from St. Louis, North Side, <clears throat> North City, Walnut Park area. And my options as a kid were very limited, I would say. Um, I didn't have a dad, I didn't have a mom, and my grandmother was always busy. So who did I look up to? I looked up to my brothers, my uncles, and guys from the neighborhood. So at a young age, I already was going in the direction of the gang life. And as I got older, people in the neighborhood started looking at me and viewing me as the younger brother of two gang members. And so it was something that I was born into right away. And you know, it's okay because we praised the wrong things from uh, in the hood. Uh, we praise in St. Louis being the murder capital of the world. We praise um, having guns and drugs all around because that's what's viewed as cool from where we come from. And I didn't know how wrong those views were until I joined the circus at the age of 11. And that was uh, what ultimately saved my life was circus. Well, I mean, I, I, the fact that you were that age dealing with gang stuff is just I just it's it sucks that you know some people just you know just it just happens that way like you said you were kind of born into it just assume that that's what your life was going to be and it's great that you were able to find something like the circus but I mean the fact that you were you know in a gang life at, at 11 years old I mean that's just crazy to me like I couldn't I couldn't imagine that so so we also played some sports I played basketball dabbled in football and things like that but I went to school and I wasn't the, the best kid. I didn't have the best grades. I'm five six, so I'm not the biggest guy. So sports, they were fun, but I, I, I envision of being an NFL star, NBA star. But what kids, what kid doesn't dream like that? And so I didn't think about being a lawyer, a doctor, a teacher, any profession that is like perceived as normal because I didn't think like that. We didn't have those options. Like it's too far out of reach. And so football player, rapper. Uh, basketball player were the only few professions that I thought that I wanted to do. And it's unfortunate because you close so much more off when you think like that. And so at some point when those things weren't a reality or aren't possible, I said, you know what? Gang life, drug dealer, gang member, that's, that's my future. And you know what? That's okay because I see some of the guys being praised in the neighborhood and those are the guys with the jewelry, the, the nice cars, the nice shoes, the nice clothes. And you're like, oh my gosh, those are the guys that I want to be because they're so close. 
Like I, I talk to these guys every day. I see these guys every day. So that's a more uh, obtainable goal than being a football player or basketball player. Yeah, I mean, especially if it's glorified in the neighborhood too, like you were saying of like, that's the cool guy in the neighborhood, even though he's doing bad stuff. Uh, you, you know, young minds are fragile, you know, and they, they, can, they, they are influenced very easily. 100%. And especially when you don't have a positive male role model in the home. And so it was, um, it was pretty, it was pretty insane. And so going back, I was probably in third or fourth grade. And I was, I have to go through this program called discovering options. And it was, um, a program for children at high risk, high risk children. And we were attend this program for 10 weeks. And after 10 weeks, we were all assigned this mentor or a mentor. And I got this older white woman called Diane, her name was Diane Rankin. And um, she, they were told to spend 10 hours for 10 weeks with each student. And so that's basically one hour per week for 10 weeks. And at the end of those 10 weeks, you can decide you if you rather uh, discontinue the relationship or continue on. And um, so she met me, I was this kid, she told me that I was very shy. I don't remember me ever being shy, but she uh, she came to my school and this is an older white woman. I'm from a neighborhood where everyone is predominantly black. And so I was already embarrassed and I was already the outcast because I had a white mentor coming to my school. And, um, and when you're the outcast and when you have something that is very, um, something about you that stands out, then you're the target. You're the one that's going to be picked on. So she would come to my school and her first question to me was, uh, what do you want to be when you grow up? And she told me that I didn't respond. I was too shy to respond. And then she asked me, what do you like to do? And she told me I responded with a very shy voice with one word, backflips. And so we went to the gym and we would do backflips. And each week that she came to the school, we would just go to the gym, do backflips. And I started to open up more and more to her because she made me feel comfortable doing something that I love to do. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. how our relationship. That's awesome. When I, was, yeah. I watched the, the short doc thing that PBS did on you. And I thought that that whole relationship between the two of you was so cool that she did that. I mean, the fact that she basically changed your life and was able to kind of take you in a different direction based off of you just liking to do backflips is so crazy to me. You know, I think that, you know, I'm someone who feels like all it takes is one person to believe in you to help you get yeah. to achieve your goals, you know? And, and it's cool that she was that person for you in, in an area where she wasn't necessarily like probably welcome, you know? Not at all. And so a hundred percent, she circus saved my life, but if it wasn't for her, then this interview probably wouldn't be happening. Uh, this amazing story wouldn't be told around the world. Uh, she is an incredible woman. She's my mentor to this day. She's more than my mentor. She's my mom. She helped me throughout everything. And it, and it was a white woman, a woman that didn't look like me, a woman that didn't come from where I come from, but she was the one that never gave up on me. She always saw the good in me. And I tried my best to hide everything that I was doing in my my, my uh, personal life away from her because I didn't want her to be exposed to that. And when I say she, so she's the one that introduced me to the circus. She, um, it was the summer, I can't even remember the year, but it was one summer um, after our ups and downs and whatnot, me letting her go, me calling her back and all of these things. She took me to see this circus show called Circus Flora. 
And in Circus Flora, it was a show that came to St. Louis every year, and they performed uh, for just the summer. And she took me to this show, not knowing what where I was going or what I was going to see. We walked in, and all I saw was animals, um, clowns, tight clothes, and all of this music. It was loud. It was different. It was something that I did not feel comfortable being around. And so we watched the show for like 10 minutes, and she said, how do you like it? I said, can we leave? And she said, <laughs> <laughs> and she was not the person to say, no, you should stay, you should do it. She would always let me make my own decisions. And so she said, I said, can I, can we leave? And she said, are you sure? I said, yes, this is, uh, I'm very uncomfortable. I don't like it here and whatnot. And so we walked out and she let me walk out. She let me do everything on my own terms and whatnot. And so it's funny that Circus is what saved my life, but the very first time I went to the circus, I was so close-minded that I walked out on it. And then I believe it was six or seven months later, we went to the city museum. The city museum is home of the St. Louis Arches. Uh, the St. Louis Arches were performing in Circus Flora that year. And what I did know was my mentor was taking me to meet with the, the head coach and owner of Circus Harmony, St. Louis Arches called Jessica Hintoff. She was, it was a setup but I gave up on it so quick that I walked out and missed my opportunity. But we went to the city museum. I saw these mats just lying in the middle of this ring. And I just I ran into the ring and started flipping on the mats. And then this guy came out and said, hey, I'm sorry, but you, you can't flip on these mats unless you're a student here. And I thought, I'm like, okay, how do I become a student? Because all I want to do is flip. <laughs> so he gave, me, <laughs> he gave me this paperwork and um, I signed up. I did this 10-week session called Patchwork. And at the end of those 10 weeks, I did a show. I had the time of my life doing circus, performing, and whatnot. And then Jessica came to me after. She said, hey, that was a really great performance you did. Would you like to be a part of the St. Louis Arches? I said, what's the St. Louis Arches? She said, it's our advanced <laughs> troop here. She said, it's our advanced troop here, acrobatic troop here, and you get paid. And when she said I get paid, first job, I'm like, I'm going to get paid to do backflips? Sign me up. <laughs> yeah, totally. Of course. <laughs> and I was 11 years old, and that was the beginning of what was a very bumpy, exciting, life-changing moment in my life because if my mentor wouldn't have done, the, done it the way she did, I probably would have lasted uh, that long. Well, you know, so. also when I hear you say, like, the circus, the circus this, the circus that. Even when I, my my boss here told me that, you know, circus life kind of helped save you. You know, I think most people, when they think circus, they think of like, you know, animals and clowns and all that kind of stuff. So it actually fascinated me when I was looking at some of the stuff that you did, because you kind of were doing more like artsy circus type stuff, where it was much more like a performance art type stuff, which, which I thought was interesting because I didn't even know that was a thing. Yeah. So I started with traditional circus in Circus Harmony, which is a, a whole another story. And um, I've, I did Circus Harmony. It's a youth circus. So many lessons through that youth circus. Uh, teamwork, how to trust, um, being respectful, punctual, all of these things that I wouldn't have learned if I went straight to like the top of the top, which is Cirque du Soleil or uh, Seven Fingers or whatnot. So I spent all of that time in Circus Harmony and my circus coach, Jessica Hintoff, she really installed, instilled some, some great ethics in me. And she made me be a professional when I was 
11 years old. And so the the circus that everyone else sees <laughs> around the world is Cirque du Soleil. Yes. And that story is unique as well because I saw a Cirque du Soleil performance when I was probably 13, 14 years old. And I told myself, that's what I, that's where I want to be. That's exactly where I want to be. And so throughout my childhood of leaving the circus and coming back because of gang violence, being shot at, in jail, losing my uncle, all of these different things, I would always walk away from circus and then come back, walk away, then come back. I will always walk away when it was beneficial for me to play sports, hanging with friends and whatnot. And then when I didn't have circus in my life, I would always go back because I was at an all-time low, getting shot at, going to prison, selling drugs, getting to fights, expelled from school, all of these different things. And so that was a tragic moment in my life. It was my, it started my junior year of high school. I was in a gang fight at school and I got expelled. I got thrown into prison for a couple of days. And that's when life hit rock bottom for me. Um, everything was really bad. I had left circus. I was deep into the streets. Um, then that summer, the guy that I was in a gang fight with, my be- one of my best friends, he was shot and killed that summer. And when he got shot and killed, that took me even south, further south. And yeah, it was just one, one thing after another. And after this, at this point, I had completely cut all ties with circus people, except for my mentor. We would always talk occasionally. And then one summer, I just went to Circus Harmony, went to Circus Flora, the show that I walked out on. And um, I was watching some friends perform because Jessica had messaged me and said, hey, come see our show. It's the last show. And I went to the show and I remember just sitting in the audience watching the show and the entire audience, it was quiet. In my head, this is in my head, everything is quiet. And I just see this light in the middle of the ring, seeing my friends have so much fun doing what I used to do, the fun that I used to have. And I'm just in this dark spot. And so at that moment I said, I'm either going to change my life around or within six months, I'm gonna be dead. And so it was that moment where I said, I need to get back into circus. I need to get my grades back, uh, get my grades right in school. I need to change my life around. So I made a decision that then and there to get everything back on track. Um, I did a tryout for the National Circus School, the feeder school for Circus Soleil, yep. based out of Montreal, Canada. And um, in 2010, I graduated, took a year off, 2011. I did the tryout in February. It was a one-week-long uh, tryout, and they made cuts every single day. So I get there the first day on Tuesday, I believe, and it was 150 people. Damn. The day started 8 a.m. to 10 p.m. At 10 p.m., we all wait in the cafeteria, and we all have these numbers, kind of like a, a, like a, a PC tryout. Yeah. <laughs> we all have these numbers, and uh, it's 150 people. And at the end of the day, we're all sitting in the cafeteria, and this lady comes down with a U USB uh, key or whatever, plugs it into the TV, and then these numbers pop up. Everyone rush to the board. If your number's there, you made it to the next day. If it's not, you have an extra week to do whatever fun in Canada that you want to do. <laughs> it was brutal. It was brutal. And so I made it throughout the whole week, crushed it. And then uh, I had to wait for a month later to see if I was accepted or not. So from 150, they accepted um, 32 people. Wow. And I was one of them. Wow. And so, blessed in itself right there. Yeah. And so I said, 
this is the next step for me. Uh, I'm going to move to Canada. I'm going to attend this three-year program, the feeder school for Cirque du Soleil, and there's no going back to St. Louis. And I, I was happy to go to Canada because even though it's super close to the U.S., it's still pretty far from St. Louis. And I <laughs> yeah. didn't want to go back to St. Louis. And I, I know I just did. I couldn't go back to St. Louis because I knew what was there waiting for me. And so throughout the three years, I realized so much how my education in the St. Louis public school was so trash, how far behind I was in every aspect of, um, <clears throat> of learning. And so that was a struggle for me, not only trying to keep up with everyone in English, but all of our courses were in French. Yeah, I, so I, I, I saw that when I was researching the National Circus School and I was gonna ask, <laughs> did you speak French before going there or did you have to learn French to go the, because you knew you were going there? Zero. <laughs> no it was the most difficult, stressful time of my life because <laughs> I'm supposed to be able to speak proper English, but I was so far behind and so it was it was so difficult. So I was trying to get the correct phrase in English, uh, translate from French to the correct phrase oh, in English and then God. it was tough. It was difficult. But I managed, I passed, I graduated, and I got a, a job right after school. I was very, very blessed to be uh, very valuable because a lot of circus companies wanted my partner and I to work for their companies. But we worked with a company called Seven Fingers of the Hand, and we created a show that was primarily about each artist using our real stories and whatnot, and that was an amazing two and a half years by far so that's the like the performance uh, arty kind of thing that i saw then right yeah okay cool. Yeah, we performed in years yeah. yeah and that company is like it's like it's family it's a smaller company all family super amazing people uh i could call the director three o'clock in the morning and say hey i'm having this problem he would book me a flight he would talk to me all of these things incredible and so i worked for them for two and a half uh, three years and then i knew it was coming that uh, after that third year, Cirque du Soleil called me and said, hey, we want you to be a part of our show, Lucia. And right there, dreams were made. Dreams came true at that moment. At that moment. And that was the time I told myself I wanted to be in Cirque du Soleil. And then I got that call. I get there. First city was LA. Amazing. Incredible feeling. And at this point, I'm 15, oh no, 14 years into my circus career. I'm like, that's, and I'm, I was only like 25, 26 or whatever. I'm like, well, this is incredible. That's what I was thinking that, you know, I, I sometimes feel like that way with a lot of athletes too, where, you know, you have this goal where this is the thing that you wanted your whole, you know, for a very long time. Like I want to be in circuit. I want to be in the NFL or the NBA or whatever. Yeah. Um, and it's interesting, like when you achieve that goal so early in life, mm -hmm. and then you're like, what's next? You know what? I got to think yeah. of a new thing now. You know, I still got most of my life left. I got to think of the next thing. So um, to me, it's cool mm -hmm. that you were able to take that next thing and find pro wrestling and WWE, because um, I think that's awesome, you know, but, but also I do want to hear a little bit more about Cirque. So when you got into Cirque and you had that first performance, how did it feel knowing that you had accomplished your dream finally? So even before I got to LA, we had to go to Montreal, go to the uh, Cirque du Soleil headquarters and uh, get our costume fitting, uh, go through all of these different procedures, learn how to do the two hour makeup. Uh, we had all of these different classes, learning the show, watching all these videos. It was a lot. 
but I was like, oh my goodness, this is, this is what it's like to be a Cirque du Soleil performer. This is what you have to do. And so from, from day one, flying to Montreal, I didn't care how much snow was in Montreal. I didn't care how cold it was. I was so happy to be there because I knew I was going to LA as well. But I was so happy to be there because I was living my dream. And then we flew to LA, we get to LA, meet people. They say, these are our new students. I mean, our new uh, performance, new, new birds. And that first performance, I don't think we messed up, my partner and I. I think we killed that performance because we were so excited. And it was our first time on, a sh on, a st on that stage, on a stage like that. And I remember myself as a kid watching uh, the circus show Kidam. I said, man, one day I'm going to be on that, uh, on that stage. And it took me right back. And it was out of, we were the first act of the show, coming out of that curtain with all of that energy, all the hype. Oh, it was incredible. It was no, I thought that there was no better feeling in the world. That right there was the feeling. That was what every kid dream of when he's a kid, that moment right there. That's amazing. But I was so wrong. <laughs> yeah, you still had more big moments to come for sure, but still yeah. very cool. In fact, I watched, uh, when I was researching for this, I watched um, a highlight reel that you had put together on, on YouTube and it blew my mind. Like some of the stuff you did in this video, I feel like you haven't even scratched the surface of what you're capable of, you know, in W, you know, in WWE and it comes to all that stuff because some of these moves I saw, Matt, I can't put it on the screen or whatever, but like I saw you do one where it was like four flips in the air, you know, backflips in the air <laughs> in, into like a ball, ball pit. And the craziest video that I watched of yours, I showed it to my girlfriend and she was like, we both got nauseous from watching it where I don't know if you still have the record or if you, whatever, but it was, I think it was you going for the Guinness world record of most back handsprings. And it, yeah. I don't remember how, I think it was like 42 maybe or 38 or something like that. And it is insane. Like it's crazy. Cause there's one part where you're not even moving. You're just consecutively backflipping like this. It's one of the craziest things I've ever seen. I couldn't believe it. I was watching it. Just, I, I couldn't believe a human being was able to do that. And I felt bad because you start to move and then you get to the grass and, and the grass is what screws you up. You could have kept going if that grass didn't get in your way, but then you were like in people and they were like, they were like getting in your way and stuff. I felt bad, but uh, did you get the record when you did that? I did, I got okay. the record, but a friend of mine broke it like a week or two later. <laughs> but I had to win. But I had the record. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's what a move sure. from that guy. He's like, wait, how many did he do? <laughs> the grass got in his way? I could beat that. <laughs> <laughs> so wait, okay, so where does WWE enter the story? Was it when they worked with Cirque du Soleil? So now this, I, I, I told you in the, in the beginning, I'm so blessed. So everything happens for a reason. I'm a very firm believer of that. So we are 2019. And at this point, I'm very stagnant. I am stagnant in Cirque du Soleil. I'm already thinking, what's my next step? So I started doing some real estate investing, thinking, okay, this is my extra exit strategy. And we, it's 2019, April of 2019. And our show goes to Orlando, home of uh, the Performance Center. And so uh, first day we get there, um, our, our head coach goes, hey guys, uh, just got word that the WWE wants to do an exchange with us immediately, my eyes. They, what? They want to, with, with us? What? And so they <laughs> did that. 
And uh, he said, yeah, they want to do an exchange with us. I said, count me in. Let me know when it's going to be. Quick backstory on me and WWE, well, wrestling in uh, general. Uh, I've been a fan since I was eight years old. That was going to be um, my next question uh, for sure. So I'm, I wanted yeah. to know that. Good. Okay. <laughs> I, was, I was a fan seven, eight years old. I remember watching uh, SmackDown on Thursday nights with my uncle. And um, we used to love it. He used to always do this to me. And we used to gamble a lot in our family. And my uncle would always we flip the coin, heads or tails, and he would cheat. And he would win and take my money and go, you can't see them. I'm like, no, I'm eight. Like, chill out. <laughs> in the corner, he, he's so, so rude. But uh, that was our thing. <laughs> and, um, but like I told you, life for me got in the way. When I was that age, there was no uh, finding a, a wrestling school, training, and getting into the business. I, you just couldn't do things like that. And especially where I'm from, I mean, wrestling wasn't cool back then. So if you like wrestling, you still, you got picked on as well. And so I loved it. <laughs> yeah, but I, no I remember really that did. very vividly getting picked on for watching wrestling. So I get it. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, I loved it, but just like circus, I wasn't going to let circus ruin my image because I was also a part of a gang and all of these different things. And so I told my, I told myself like, there's no way that I'm going to ever become a wrestler. There's no way that I will be a WWE superstar. There's no way that I'm going to be on any of those TV screens performing in front of thousands of people. And guess what I did? I stopped watching it. I stopped um, I stopped wanting to be a wrestler. I just, I had to deal with life. Let's just, let's figure out how to get out of the hood. And it wasn't through wrestling at all. And so fast forward 2019, there's going to be an exchange. So we have five weeks in Orlando. We do five weeks of shows, 10 shows a week. Uh, first week go by, nothing. Second week, nothing. Third week, nothing. Fourth week, nothing. I'm like, yo, I thought we were going to have this exchange with the WWE. Uh, he goes, oh, yeah, it's on Monday. Monday was our day off. So what I do on Sunday, I finish both shows Sunday. I get home, I eat, I sleep, I pack my bag, and I was there bright and early, the first person at the performance center, ready. And um, this, oh my goodness, I'm getting chills right now thinking about that moment because it was such a pivotal moment in my life. We get to the performance center and I see my friend Duncan. He's on the show with me, he's a technician. He's a huge wrestling fan as well. So we get there and we're the first two there. We walk into the front door and we just see titles, we see photos, they're playing WrestleMania on the TV. And then everyone comes in and then someone comes to the door, walks in. I look at Duncan. He looks at me. I said, is that? Yep, that's Shawn Michaels. Top, one, of my, one of my favorite wrestlers holds the, in my eyes, holds the best match ever. Him and Kurt Angle at WrestleMania 21. Sold one. the show. Great match. Um, great match. And so he walks in. I'm just like, this, is, this can't be real. And so we proceed to the You expect the gym, a security guard the- or something to open the door and it's just it's just the heartbreak kid walking out like heartbreak. <laughs> Incredible. And so we proceed through the um through the uh weightlifting room. We see all of the superstars. We go into the uh actual ring, the the room where all of the rings are, seven rings, and they said, "All right, let's warm up or whatever." We start doing the, like normal warm up. 
then everyone from Cirque du Soleil goes into uh, the soft ring and we're just doing all these different flips and crazy twists off the top rope and whatnot. And um, we go into the other ring and I did the this move that I do often now, this backwards worm. And guess who which is insane. Me and said, hey, which is insane. Is you talking about the thing that you do through the circle or whatever, basically, where you kind of like. So think of uh, Scotty Two Hotties worm. Okay. I do that on the back. To got it. Got it. Got it. Whatnot. I saw you so do that like, did... through hoops, which was cool. Like I saw. Yeah. Like... I, I, I actually. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. True. Okay. <laughs> and so I did that move in the ring, and then Scotty goes, "Hey, kid, do that again." And he called Matt Bloom over. And uh, they, I did it, and then they got to talking, and right then and there, my antennas went up. I said, "This, I'm, I'm not letting this pass me up ever again. Uh, this is, this, it took that long for for this reason, for me to get really good at one thing and then come back 16 years later and showcase that to these guys. And so we finished our day. It was an amazing day, ecstatic. They came to our circus the next day, and uh, we did all of our things. And I go to Matt Bloom, like, hey, how does one get involved? He said, well, we have a tryout next week. And if you're interested, get it clear with your people and I will invite you to the tryout. I told you that we did five weeks. The next week we yeah. were on, we were dark. So yeah. that was a vacation week for me. I was just gonna fly back to St. Louis, chill with the family, and then meet the, the show back in New York uh, a week later. And so I said, really? And so he gave me his number. I messaged him the next day, said, I got it cleared. Um, I'm off. I'm free. And that night or that day, someone from uh, the office sent me my itinerary, my, 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 uh, the schedule for the, the week tryout, the, my rental car, hotel, everything. I'm like, holy smokes, this is, this is real. This is happening. I just got invited to a, uh, a WWE tryout. And so I didn't know I wasn't prepared at all because <laughs> it was so last minute. So I'm going on YouTube, like looking at tryouts. I must have watched Kevin Owens uh, promo so many times. Okay, I need to get a good promo. I need to do this. I can do that. What are they going to make me do at this tryout? I was preparing myself for, for what? I didn't know what was going to happen. <laughs> but I fly home <laughs> on Sunday night, uh, fly back to Orlando on Monday night or Tuesday morning. Trial started, uh, I believe, Wednesday. Get there Wednesday, and it's I was number thirty-five, and I was the last one of the uh, in the line, and no one knew who I was. Uh, Matt Bloom comes to me, and he uh, <laughs> he comes to me and said, "Don't make me look bad because I owe everything. <laughs> I owe everything to him. He was the man that did everything for." Me. Well, Don't Scotty too hotty too. It sounds like from from spotting fellow worm, a fellow wormer, you know. I also oh, love though, you know, I, my last week on this show, I had Eva Marie, and we were talking, and she was saying that we were talking about how you have to ask in order to make stuff happen in your life. And I, she had a really good quote that I thought that that I thought was very um, was great advice. She said like, you know, I pray, I believe in God, but like God isn't a genie, you know, and you have like. You have to go get it. You, you can't just rub a lamp. You can't just like rub a magic lamp and God's going to do stuff for you. You have to ask. You have to try and make stuff happen for yourself. And hopefully, you know, things happen, you know, based on, you know, your preparation or whatever. And so I think it's awesome that this, your dream came true from an, a, another dream came true just because you went up and asked the guy, hey, 
How do I get involved in this? And to me, like, I think a lot of people wouldn't have done that. I think people would have been like, oh, well, maybe they'll come to me or I'll, I'll just wait until they yeah. say something to me. And like, I think that you have to, you know, if you want to accomplish stuff in life, you have to go get it yourself. And so I think it's super cool that you just went up to Matt Bloom and were like, hey, how do I do this? And now look at you, you're the 24 seven champion, you know, that's awesome. 100%. I mean, look, the answer is always no, unless you ask, always. Yep. So, so then, so then when you started in NXT, how, how soon from when you got signed to when COVID, like the pandemic happened, how soon was that? So that's a whole interesting story even before COVID happened. So they told me they wanted me after the tryout, but the trail, it went cold. I didn't hear anything. I told them, hey, I'm in the midst of re-signing with Cirque du Soleil for another year, but I'm interested in you guys if you guys want me. I was told, hey, if you have another offer, go with that because we don't know what our plans are right now. And that broke my heart because I went to train at all of these different schools around the world because I was traveling with Cirque du Soleil, so I just couldn't go to a certain school. I have to, like, my show's in New York. Okay, let me Google what, cert what wrestling schools are in New York. We're in Connecticut. Let me see what wrestling schools are in Connecticut. Calgary, Montreal, Vancouver. And so I just, on my off time, I just went to train, 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 train uh, on top of doing shows. And so they were just saying, don't do it. Uh, we don't know when it's going to happen, all of these things. But I stayed persistent. I was in Calgary and I told, I have recorded a video of me training and I sent it to Matt Bloom. I said, hey, just to let you know, I'm very much still dedicated to this. Can you give me some feedback on this video? And that was like 9.30 in the morning. I sent that message. At 9.36, I get an email from Kenyon Cena saying, hey, Matt Bloom showed me your video. We are very much interested. How about a start date? And um, at this time, I said, that's amazing. They said July or whatever. I said, that's amazing. I, I would love that. And then next thing you know, everything started to happen. Two weeks later, they said the contract's in the mail. Um, a week later, the contract was in my hand. I signed a contract, sent it to them. Next thing you know, they said, cool, we received your contract. Your, your um, background check has passed. All of these things are clear. You're starting in January. I said, oh. This was July? July. Yeah, I was going to say that. You told me, that's a, you told me yeah. July. So, and I've already signed my contract with Circus Away until July. And uh, they said, well, you can start either uh, January, July, February, January, April, or July. And I said, okay, let me let me double check. I said, you know what? Something told me. Cirque du Soleil is great, but this is an opportunity. Get there as soon as possible. So I went to the office in Cirque du Soleil and said, hey, this opportunity is much better. I'm going to be closer to my daughter. Um, can I break my contract and finish in December, December 29th? They were totally fine about it about it, and because we had a great relationship. Broke that contract, got to Orlando in January. January 3rd is when I flew down, started January 15th, I believe. And that was the best moment of my life. Then obviously March comes, March 14th, the day after my birthday, the world shuts down. That's crazy because if I would said, let me hold up my end for Puerto Rico late, I would have, I was supposed to come in July, but I wouldn't have came here for sure. There's no telling if they would have brought me in or not with the current state the world was in. And so, it was a blessing to get there in January and be there when the world shut down instead of being on the outside looking in, okay, are you guys still interested in all of these different things? And so the world shuts down in March. I'm at the, I'm here and I said, okay, 
what am I supposed to do? I can't train. I'm so new to this. I said, I can't do it. I, I have to work. I, I'm already so far behind everyone. I have to work. And so that it was a, during that time, it was crucial. It was a crucial moment in my, my career because I could have just sat on my butt and wait till the world opened back up or I hit the bricks running. And it was me and my good, my good brother, EJ, EJ Nduka, another guy at the performance center as well. And when I say this man helped me change so much of my, my physique and we just shared a brotherhood, a camaraderie throughout that pandemic, just motivating each other and, and, um, just being there for one another, talking wrestling, watching wrestling, working out, just staying at it and staying ready. So when the world do op does open back up that we're ready. And so, and just like we, we thought it was going to be, we spoke everything into existence. And when the world opened back up, I was ready. I had reached out to some of the coaches, to some people that were let go. And I said, Hey, can you give me some private lessons and et cetera. So I was, I was, I was willing, I was dedicated to getting better. I just couldn't sit on my butt. And so when the world opened back up, I had a few PC live matches and whatnot, and I crushed it. They said I looked better. They said my in-ring skills were sharp. Uh, it looked like I didn't have time off. I was much better uh, when I when I came back than when I started. It was just because I wanted it more. And so September 11th or something like that, I'm finishing training. It's a Thursday. I get a, I have a PC live match on um, on Friday. I get a call and a text message. You're needed for SmackDown TV. Bring a suit. I'm like, <laughs> okay, cool. I message well, Matt. Like, hey, I love fashion, so yeah. no problem. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's fine. And so um, I'm like, okay, cool. Call time is two o'clock, uh, two p.m. in Tampa. So I'm like, hey Matt, I got a PC live at. Um, at 11, should I do that and then head to Tampa? He said, oh, no, no, no. We're about what's happening in, on SmackDown. So I went to SmackDown, didn't know what I was doing at all. And they gave, they told me what I was doing. I'm just like, okay, that's cool. Let's just run with it. Let's go. And that was the beginning of something incredible. Well, how helpful have people like Carmella and, you know, Sasha Banks and Bianca and Nia and Shayna, how helpful have they been to you in your start on the main roster? Oh my goodness. So I, I tell people all the time, <clears throat> see, it's normal for a guy to go up and go directly to the guy's division. That's the blueprint or whatnot. But I was able to see it from the outside and see how the women's division operates. And there's a different dynamic. There's so much like love. I say the word, I don't know why I do quotation marks, but it's, it's, it's a different energy for sure. And those women, I mean, I was just getting constant daily nuggets from Sasha, from Carmella, uh, working with TJ because he was the main producer for a lot of the women's matches. And it was still so much. I mean, it, it's one thing of learning in the PC with other students that are better than me, but some that on my level than picking the brains of some of the best women wrestlers in the world, some of the best wrestlers in the world. And... Um, it was incredible. And they were always telling me certain things, just stay humble, stay at it. Um, uh, like it, it's all a process. And once I realized all of that, like, you know what? I'm here to do a job. And I, it wasn't me to be the star of anything. It was me to help be the sommelier, be annoying, be funny with Naya. And 
fall in love with Sasha, all of these different things. And like, I knew what I had to do. And I'd say, I'm going to do that part really well. Nothing more, nothing less. And I couldn't be more thankful. And I wouldn't change that path for anything in the world. If, if someone can tell me, say, hey, you can go and debut and as this way and win a title, or whatever. I don't think I want to do that because you learn so much along that way and working with these incredible people that you can't, you can't uh, take for granted those lessons. And it's great to be thrown into the spotlight right away, but I learned so many lessons along the way. And if I've known anything in life, those lessons that you learn throughout the, uh, along the journey, those are way more important than the destination because the destination is great, but the things that you learn throughout the journey is what make that destination go even further and it lasts longer. Yeah, so. a- absolutely. Absolutely. That's why I wanted to hear your whole story of circuit, you know, St. Louis to circus. Cause I feel like I, I completely agree with you. And so I, it's been fascinating for me to hear all this stuff. But now that you are, now that you are 24 seven champion and you are, you know, moving over to the men's division, uh, there it is. Hey, there it is. Don't, uh, we're gonna have our truth bust in behind you all of a sudden. Watch out. Uh, <laughs> he, he, he gonna be in St. Louis. He gonna be in St. Louis. <laughs> I, got them, oh. I got them. I got them guys with me. No, I'm joking. That's a joke. <laughs> but now that you, now that you're 24 seven champion, are you hoping you? Because know, at the start, eh, at the start of this, you talked about how your character on TV right now is very close to who you are as a person. Are you hoping to kind of branch out and to create more of a character that is? you know, something more outlandish and, and an extension of yourself now that you, you know, are getting more of a singles push? I mean, I take things day by day. Um, I'm, it's not in my control. I'm not behind the wheel. I am going to do what got me here. And it's just taking it day by day and doing what I'm asked to do. Whatever they give me, put in front of me, I'm just going to try to execute, ex- execute it the best that I can. That's all you can really ask for in this business, in any business. You once I start, like, I don't want to become big headed or whatnot and say, I want to do this. I want to do that and whatnot. Most definitely they do take my ideas in consideration. And they, a lot of the stuff that we're, that we're doing is, is coming from me and truth and Tazawa and things like that, which is great. But I just want to remain humble. Like, like what's, whatever's going to happen is going to happen. It's out of my control. And my life has told me that. Like well, it's like bull is this close to my head flying past like if it if it was meant for those bullets to hit me they would have hit me I, I didn't do anything to to make them not hit me it was just life is life and so i'm just gonna ride this wave right now and just i'm open i'm free to anything i just have to do it the best that i can when it's presented to me well i think that is the perfect way to close this interview because that is great lessons for people to learn by just to live by in general because i think that's a great way to look at life you just gotta kind of that's exactly what you have to do, just living life and just hoping that things work out. Uh, life is life, as you said. Uh, all right, well, I thank you so much for taking the time to do this today. I really enjoyed our conversation. I hope people learned more about you and your story by watching or listening to this. And I am excited to see more of what you do with 24-7 title because I, at first, I think I was like, what's going on here with these flips and stuff and you know the 24-7 <laughs> title thing? But now those segments are so entertaining. Watching you on Jungle Gyms just flip around to get away from them uh, is so incredibly entertaining. And R-Truth and Tozawa um, are comedy. So uh, I, really, I really have been enjoying watching it. Thanks a lot, Ryan. Man. I appreciate this for having Good. me. And right, thanks again, man. <laughs> Thank you. And hopefully I see you soon. 
Of course. China, I, w- I want a please. tour of St. Louis when we're there for the Royal Rumble. I got you. All I right, got good. you most definitely. Okay, good. Sounds good. <laughs> All right, have a good one, man. You too. Peace. That was Reggie. Great conversation. Super cool dude. I hope you guys enjoyed it as much as I did. Okay, go subscribe to Out of Character on podcast platforms. I usually say all podcast platforms, but it's kind of silly. You shouldn't, I guess you don't need to, like, I don't, you need to subscribe on like four different platforms. Wherever you listen to your podcast, though, please go subscribe to us on there, Out of Character. And if you can leave a review or a rating, please do that as well. It helps us out a lot, gets us on the radar of other people. And it just makes me happy. So please go. So please go do that. Also, make sure you follow our YouTube, excuse me, our YouTube channel. That's where you can find the video version of this show every week. Bunch of clips from Raw, SmackDown, NXT. Lots of stuff on there. Other interview clips. It's a place where you need to be subscribed. So go subscribe to the WWE on Fox channel on YouTube. And also make sure you follow us on all social media. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. You can follow me on TikTok if you're on there. Make sure you follow us. Lots of good content. Okay, that's it. I'm done. Officially tapping out for now. Until next time, I'm Ryan Satin, and this is Out of Character.